There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 421. Um, it is Friday that we're releasing this, October 11th. Uh, in two days, Walking and Talking Dead are coming back uh, on the air. So uh, uh, tune in. AMC, 9 and 10 o'clock, run right after Walking Dead. I've seen the premiere episode. It's really fucking great. Can't wait. The trailers look amazing. Scott Gimple uh, is awesome. He's the new guy in town. He's the huh? new guy. He's that new kid on the block. He's the new kid on the block. He's doing, he's, and he's, he's, doing, he's doing a fantastic job. And, cool. and uh, apparently episodes two and three, like the show just starts uh, one level here. I'll just call that here. And then just fucking jumps. That's great. Like each, it just gets crazier and crazier. So uh, I think we're going to see an upswing in like uh, really good storytelling on TV uh, post Breaking Bad. Of like how to escalate things, kind of kind of raise, kind of raise TV's game. Yeah, and they have for the past few years, but I think especially after this last run of episodes, everyone's going to be like, we can just really go for it. Yes. I think it's going to we're going to see a change. Yes, yeah. I think you should push your glasses up at the end of it. I think we're going to see a change in modern television. <laughs> Jonas doing a face that you can't see at the moment. Uh, uh, Jonas uh, doing a lot of faces you can see because he's performing at the San Francisco Punchline October 10th, 11th, and no, I'm sorry, yes, yes, October 10th, 11th, 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 and 12th at the San Francisco Punchline. Punchline's a great venue. It's down I on love Battery it there. Street. Uh, yeah, in the financial district, and it's one of my favorite clubs in the country. Yeah, yeah. And during the day, I'll be hanging out on Turk Street if you want to, you know, uh, do some heroin. Uh, <laughs> it's a real bad area, that Turk Street. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a, new, a, mag, uh, a news article I saw last time I was in San Francisco where it says, police throw in the towel of zero block of Turk. So they just drive up to the edge and they're like, bad, yeah. fine. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'll be there with Nick Youssef, who is a great comedian, uh, an old friend of mine. And I'll be having uh, limited edition posters designed by Garrett Ross and screened by Dave Clock. And if you want, Jonah Ray will do his entire set as Bruce Gutter. <laughs> Drinking vodka is the best. It's like water from an alien planet. That 35 minutes, I thought this would be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just watching yeah. a guy on stage. Yeah. TJ Maxx, so much cooler than Ross. Lars Ulrich one time. Um, I remember a party in Hollywood, California. <laughs> oh my God, it totally changes the tone of the story when Bruce Gutter is at I that know, party. I know, right? It makes more sense. Yeah, when Bruce Gutter's playing Truth or Dare with Courtney Love. <laughs> and I said truth because I always do. Hey, Bruce, where's the cocaine? <laughs> Buddy, I'm in the middle of a story. Bruce! No, I'm doing Courtney Love. <laughs> no, I was. Yeah. Oh wait, did you break character thinking that, I, and I broke character? Well, that, that yes, I think character? I think we just. Well, mm. this is why we're stand-ups and not sketch people. Uh, this episode of the Nerds Podcast is brought to you by the Enemy series from Hyperion. It's us versus zombies and Charlie Hickson's The Enemy series. So maybe you might want a little zombie fix and you're all caught up on the Walking Dead uh, comics, uh, which I am. So uh, this is The Enemy series. We'll catch you up. They're, they're super fast-paced. They're tales of zombie survival, and uh, there's a lot of sacrifice oh, in the latest installments. There might be a lot of sex in it. True. It's super fast-paced, though. And then you'd slow down during those parts. <laughs> and then get fast-paced again. Zombie, 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 zombie. Sex. Oh, man, you're not good at rhythm, are you? No. Fast, 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 fast. Oh, so, oh, so. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Fast, 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 fast. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Fast, fast, fast. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Talking about reading. Uh, baseball, Sorry, baseball, 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 baseball. That's how I read. Woo! <laughs> 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 uh, it's fun for your girlfriend when she feels like you're always about to get into an accident. <laughs> anyway, the enemy I series. Short with uh, Deanna during sex all the time. Stop shorts! Yay! The enemy series from Hyperion, available now wherever books and eBooks are sold. 
Also, speaking of books, our guest on this episode of Nurse Podcast, Nick Offerman, whom we adore. Nick is the most interesting person you could ever have a conversation He's with. He's a man. He is a man. It's not, it's not even just it's not even that he tries to be a man. He just he just has a really great outlook on life and a fantastic way of expressing that. Yeah. Loves his wife, loves his work, loves his friends. Like, just likes just, being happy. Yeah. Totally kills the myth that you have to, you know, be unhappy to be a successful artist. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. He's a yeah, good guy. And no. Nick has a, a book called Paddle Your Own Canoe, One Man's Fundamentals for Delicious Living. Uh, which is available now. It's great with uh, artwork by Mike Mitchell, a great artist. Oh yeah, uh, I know Mike. I know yeah, Mike yeah, yeah. So he does all the artwork for that. That's that's yeah. great. So pick up Nick's book, uh, and right now listen to the Nerds Podcast episode number four twenty one with Nick Offerman. Now entering nerdist.com. The Nerdist Podcast. Nick Offerman returns. I didn't know neither Jonah nor I were there. You I, were knew, I knew I wasn't we there. We recorded it in Santa Monica because of scheduling. It was There was something going on that day where I think you were working in Santa Monica or something. I don't know. And so we... Uh, oh, maybe we, were we in production for the Nerdist TV show? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't explain me. No, we could have been shooting a sketch. So, what, so my experience... How was it with Jess Chris? It was wonderful. I didn't. I didn't know he'd failed to mention that he normally. Has what are you talking about? Well, we talked about these guys the whole time. Yeah. That there was any supplemental. Yeah, Nick. I don't know if you can no, see there's painting that's right behind his head, but <laughs> it's not just Chris. <laughs> I, I feel like you know Nick's not remembering you guys. I think most of the time we were talking about. Yeah. You know, Nick would say something funny and charming, and I'd be like, boy, I wish Matt and Jonah were here to hear this, because they're... He, he did say that a lot. A lot, a lot. I feel like he might never have said that, I've, ever. I'm, ever. I'm guessing he said that while I was in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, did, I described uh, the Nick Offerman perfume, if, if he were to make a, a cologne or perfume, it would just smell like sawdust and brute. That's what I think of when I think of you, Nick Offerman. I'll take that as a compliment. It's a huge compliment. <laughs> those, both of those things are delicious smelling. If well, I, you don't want to eat them, but... If I have, if I come out with a, a line of fragrance, uh, my first, my first scent will be Manchester. <laughs> Manchester hair done. No Manchester. no Manchester. Okay. Will it smell like Manchester? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> we'll see. Sawdust and brute. You can have it. But I, uh, but I will issue puns. <laughs> In naming my sense. I'm fine with that. I love it actually. As much as possible. Just straight up like grit <laughs> by Nick Offerman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that hard that's like that grainy soap you use. Yeah. yeah. Oh it's yeah. Actually got grit like in, in gas it. station bathrooms. Yeah, like yeah. where the Well you gotta with, get the oil off. With the powder. It's, it's called yeah. lava, gentlemen. It's called lava <laughs> soap. <laughs> and the and the grit is called pumice. <laughs> 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 we've never been, been we've never been near any kind of workshop no of any I, kind. I have school, I just never knew you in the, and then you've got the Gojo waterless hand cleaner which is also quite effective <laughs> why was it called lava if it wasn't lava like well it comes it's pretty thick I'm guessing that's why they call mm. it that because it's badass yeah I guess so because it cleans the soil from your hands as though scorching hot lava. <laughs> it will burn a trail. Of, yeah, just, it will leave your blackened hands. It does a number on Wilshire Boulevard. <laughs> it will leave a trail of death. I just referenced the movie Volcano. And it's wait. Oh, you sure did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I let it pass. That all happens on Wilshire <laughs> so Boulevard. Slide away. Yeah. Well, the bit was sort of like the volcano. It was slow, but we couldn't avoid it. <laughs> there was no getting around it. Let's get analogous. You know what? It does feel weird with us here. You guys talk. I want to uh, thank Nick Offerman for, uh, and I, 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 I Instagrammed it because I thought it was so great. <laughs> your inscription to me in your book, Paddle Your Own Canoe, One Man's Fundamentals for a Delicious Living. Chris, wood, meat, freedom. Let's wrap. Heart, Nick. That's right. The heart uh, stands for love. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't recognize this symbol. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> I see. I know what wooden meat and freedom are. And the heart, yeah, it insinuates affection. I didn't really. Um, yeah, the heart. Know, but the heart's made of three pieces. That's good. Wood, meat, and freedom. Did, did the book come out? Did the book come <laughs> out yet? No, October first, uh, which is next week or so. It is indeed next week. Yeah, it's quite exciting. Uh, I'm 
growing. Now you got to be on the best. Message. You're going to be on the New York Times bestseller list. I'm already telling you. I've seen the pre-orders. That's a, uh, that's that's a weird thing. It's my first book, so yeah. I'm letting you know. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, uh, strange. Good. It's um, it's very different to hand someone a, a written document, and it you know the thickest uh, term paper I'd written, you know, for for agriculture class was maybe twelve pages on on mulch. Mm. You How wrote you, it on mulch. That's tough. Well, not just mulch, silt, loam. <laughs> uh, the basics. Yeah, right. It was called fecundity. <laughs> what, what was what was your grade on this paper? I well, it's a, it's a paper I wrote in my dreams, so it, it, my grade was a straight A. No. <laughs> he just not, I wrote straight A on it. Yeah. You know what's really yeah. funny is it, it, it you know the Dosekis guy, the most interesting man in the world character. They've engineered this guy, this fake guy, yeah, what? with all these things. No, yeah, it's okay, Jonah. They're re- it's really you're the soul of that guy. Well, I, you know, I try not to, I try not to take umbrage when I when I hear this sort of thin, uh, this sort of thin uh, tapestry they're trying to weave in that ad campaign. <laughs> but I do like to think the Dozeki's guy maybe would shine my shoes or. <laughs> I drop my car off for him to detail. <laughs> and he does a thorough job. Yeah, he does a fine yeah. job. Yeah, he's good. It he, makes him so interesting. And he's, Yeah, he looks in my rearview mirror and mutters things to himself like, someday you will drive a car like this. <laughs> <laughs> if you can step up into a more yeah. delicious cerveza. If only. You then, too, someday. Dozeki's, if only. So. Dozeki's is a perfectly delicious beer. But there are others. I'm surprised. Have, have, <laughs> yeah. have, have you been approached by products or like we want you to represent our thing? Sure, sure, some, yeah. I'm, I mean, there's been a, a disappointment in the amount of uh, tool companies. I, I'm waiting for <laughs> I'm waiting for a big hammer campaign. Right. I'm Stanley, ho- I'm holding home. out. In fact, Estwing. Oh, ho- nice. I'm going straight to the top. Um. But, but no, yeah, some some do. I, but it's funny. I think that um, advertising executives probably look at things like Nielsen ratings, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. and so their kid, their kids, like, hey, get this guy on this show to to sell your axe. I mean, or to sell your chainsaw or your your tractor, and they say, sounds good. Let me look on the chart. Oh, <laughs> no. he's No one knows who this guy well, is. Well, they don't understand cultural penetration as opposed to they're just looking at a Nielsen number. You're correct. Which is right. not really an accurate representation of how well-known you might be. That's true, but what what is an accurate representation, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. Um, we were just having the Adam Scott was just on an hour ago. He oh, was no here, way. and um, it totally happened. I swear to God, he's very handsome. He is he's unstoppably handsome, unstoppably handsome. Good hair, and uh, yeah, we talked about yeah, it. Yeah, we did. Oh, you did. Yeah, yeah. we definitely talked about it. Um, but we were sort of we were we were kind of walking through what it must have been like to be on a hit show in the eighties. Oh wow, where it was you know. Or even going back to the 50s, where it was like, no, 40 million people watched the same thing. Yeah, that's pretty... Even, I mean, even in my household, uh, when when Will and Grace was king, uh, in the early part of the, of the 2000s, or the aughts... Mm-hmm. The what, aughts? What, what are smart people calling it? The, the aughts? aughts? The aughts. Yeah, early 2000s. They were like, honey, we they just gave me a Porsche, because we're doing so well. Yeah, it's. I mean, the, the difference just between... And, and same exact thing thursday night on nbc um (laughs) 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 times have changed i mean even even uh rob lowe was was going off about it in a humorous way um from from the porsches of will and grace Mm. to when the west wing got picked up uh when it looked like it was going to stick around they received an espresso machine and i think it was an nbc executive who came in was like all right everybody congratulations i'm glad to tell you like you know you're getting another 13 episodes welcome to an espresso machine <laughs> and, and everyone was like well that's pretty lame but it's not bad and he, and then they realized it was one espresso machine it was an each person <laughs> in the green room <laughs> and then they were yeah. irked yeah you got to get your own keurig cup though so they didn't have to share a porsche right they just got to... no each of the four cast members received a porsche boxster 
Which that's uh, true. When I was told this story, I had never known someone that had a, owned a car of that brand, and so what, uh, I think it was an old agent of Megan's that told me the story and then kind of scoffed. And I said, well, what are you, why are you scoffing? And she said, well, it was a Boxster. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to have it explained to me that that was the, uh, it's the entry model. It's the poor man's yeah. Porsche. Though. Like, and I was like, well, you're, 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 uh, you're talking to the wrong audience because to me, that's an impressive automobile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's way more kick-ass than a Taurus. Right. Um, yeah. And it's still a free car. Yeah. It's still yeah. an expensive free car. True. Even if it was a brand new Taurus, I still would have been f- absolutely yeah. floored. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's only the sixty thousand dollar model. Like, yeah. eh, it's still a nice, um, still a nice car. It's a nice scr- day at the scratch off. Who, de- who decided that though? Like, who's like, let's give them Porsches, and then someone has to decide which model. Yeah. <laughs> pick up the colors and then deliver them to the studio. It's a very, I, it's I'm a very good very question. Curious. So things are different now in NBC? Uh, presumably. I don't yeah. hear from them. <laughs> yeah. When, uh, when Parks and Rec. <laughs> they, they just they... received uh, Starbucks gift cards in the mail. <laughs> Is it everywhere you like you run into the executive and you're like, and the executive's like, hey, what are you doing these days? Like, oh, I'm yeah. doing uh... <laughs> Yeah. Or, or I, I mean, the, for a while, we kept changing executives a couple times a season. So, and then and they, would, they would have a shindig at their house, like, oh, welcome all the new shows. <laughs> and I kept having to over and over again to say I'd say hey hi thanks for having us and they'd look at me and I'd say uh, Nick Offerman I'm on the I'm on Amy's show and they still they would get a look and be like nah are you they couldn't tell if I... Amy. They were like, oh there's, so there's somebody between Chris Pratt and Jim O'Hare <laughs> um, but you know it's uh we're we're of course very grateful that we're still on <laughs> it's, uh, on, on the air. I mean, it's insane. It's remarkable that we've survived. Having said that, I will mention that I think last year NBC sent us each three copies of the box DVD, and this year I received one. Hmm. And I and it, you know I took note. I was like, huh, okay, um, that's fine. I'm, one's all I need. It's uh, two less you can sell to Amoeba. It's true. But it, it's so no I, shared expre- espresso machine. No, it's not. <laughs> when you get when you get the DVD, when you get the one DVD in the mail, do you turn to Megan and go, "That's right, honey. Thursday nights, I'll take it from here." <laughs> I don't. I don't. Uh... But I think just because look again, Nielsen ratings not an accurate representation. I think I think a lot of people know the show. They just don't. People just don't watch television in the way that. Television still tries to rate television. Aren't they going to start to try though? Is, are they doing digital? They Nielsen are. Ratings they, now? they are. They are trying, but there really should be. There really should be a three-dimensional model that measures cultural penetration. Like where are people watching this online? It should count DVRs. It should count clips that they're watching on Hulu. It should hashtags. It, it should count like there should be. Well, it should count. You know, like people should look at your sort of social media presence. You know, like what, like what is, what, what are people known? How well are they known? And then that should all factor in. It, sh- it should, and it, I think it will. I mean, I think it's an antiquated system, and the problem is that even even if they can begin to ke- keep track of who's watching when and where, um, then they have the further Herculean task of monetizing that information. Yeah. Yes, and the, and I think the networks and the, and the sort of um, the sort of dinosaur system that's in place is scared shitless about that that shift taking place because right now at least even though the money is diminished the money is still coming in they're like we scored a 7.2 and they're like here's your money right yeah and and to say uh, okay now we have this new system where we scored an x23 2000 <laughs> how much is yeah, that worth yeah how yeah. many oh god that would have been the best car ever <laughs> the x23 2000 holy yeah, shit fuck yeah well because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh, sux 2000 from robocop yes the sux but I, but i always think of it as like when i i think about if i were to go to my dad my dad and my dad's family represents sort of like what middle america is aware of like, like what most of, I mean, like what mainstream America is, is aware of. So if I were to say something like, hey, dads, what do you think of Flight of the Concords? He'd be like, nah, I don't know what that is. But I guarantee if I went home and I was like, Ron Swanson, he'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like they know, it's people know, like people know. Your dad sounds awesome. He's awesome. <laughs> he is. A. B. I, 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 I'd like to agree with you. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things I can't begin to fathom, uh, you know, what the, the, 
millions and millions of people in our nation are uh, like are there still people who come home from work every night and watch tv from dinner to bedtime sure uh and, and they're you know, called elderly people. I, su- yeah. I suppose, or, or yeah, and they or turn on CBS. Republicans, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where they are. I don't. But, uh, but most I, people under twenty-five are watching their phone or laptop. It, it's true, and I, and I'm grateful. I think that just enough of that has sort of oozed through the the the, the, the consciousness over at the at the company mm-hmm. that has allowed us to stick around. They're like, well, I think. Some people like this show. Some of the kids do. I don't know. Better than that, those other shows. I think you'll notice it when your book does really well. Because you can't... Knock, you know, on, knock on wood. Knock on, knock on wood. How is this wood? It's not a good wood. Uh, it looks like a laminate. Um, it's, uh, He's right. I think if you can get a lot of people to buy your book, that is a huge thing. Because to get people to go out of their way to trade money for something is is no easy task. So if they will do that, then it seems to me that uh, then there is something there. Well, uh, that's the hope. Uh, it's It's been um, the, the whole thing. I mean, just getting the job in the first place has been hilarious <laughs> and really surreal. Um, and as long as uh, it, it's sort of the, the, the more good that comes our way because of Parks and Rec the more it makes us all mind our manners more and say, wow, we're insanely lucky. Let's, uh, let's be decent and, sit and not turn into ass wipes. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's I've basically just given away the entire content of the book. That uh, was it? Yeah. That's a, they're kind of a thick book for just but, that. Well, there's some pictures that are really funny. <laughs> they're super doodles? funny. Did you get any doodles in there? They're illustrations by this really funny and talented guy named Mike Mitchell. Oh, I love oh, Mike yeah, Mitchell. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's well known in our circle, dare I say. Yeah. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff for... Uh, he, he did that great uh, that, that great uh, portrait of, of Conan mm-hmm. yeah. during the, the Team, team Coco. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he's, he's done uh, stuff with Rain Wilson, and he's done a lot of Parks and Rec stuff. Like he did um, Leslie Nope as Rosie the Riveter. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah. he did our, our whole show as the Casablanca poster. Oh, so he's really smart. Yeah, he's and great. Funny. He does a lot of stuff for uh, Jensen at Gallery Nineteen Eighty Eight. Yep. So he did. Um, uh, we had him do a bunch of illustrations in the style of like early Scout manuals slash <laughs> Hardy Boys mysteries. Oh, perfect. of course, yeah. They're pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> I, co- I collected old Boy Scout manuals when I was a kid. That's creepy. Yeah, well, I was a Boy Scout. That's kind of what we did. Mm-hmm. Creepy. You're still yeah. not going to allow it? You're yeah. still not going to allow it. Oh, I can make a fire outside. There, but, that, but, I, but I think there's a, I think there's a book series. Side, yeah. I think there's a book series for you. Like I, I, I feel like I wrote a book once, and then someone said, are you going to write another book? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what else I want to talk about. But I feel like you have so many things that you could talk about or teach people or cover or well, I hope so. I mean, it's. Uh, I, I feel really lucky that I <laughs> that I got the chance to do this one. Um, and I do. I, the the ideas that I have. If somebody said, "Do you want to do another one?" They're they're more specific. Uh, I want to do a a book for, that's my like Offerman Woodshop Volume One. Yep. Where each of the players, you know, gets to like my dad will do a section on grilling and. My 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 shop manager Lee will show how to make a, an Offerman woodshop mustache comb, and <laughs> the kazoo, and all that. Maybe some lifestyle, but I, then I also want to do a more, a much more thick and delicious book about making my first guitar. Um, and I can't decide if it should be a documentary or a book. Are you looking into Luthering? Are you going to do it? I am. I mean, I've got a bunch of wood milled up already to make. What are you using? Ukuleles. Well, I've got koa and mango yeah. from Hawaii. Yeah. I've got a bunch of red cedar for tops. I also have a bunch of quilted maple. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying a bunch of different. I have coca bolo for sides and back. Nice. Um, coa wood. That's, I like, my, uh, that's, that's, that's the wood in my ring. Yeah. Oh, is a good, coa is a good tone wood. I like East Indian rosewood and a Sitka top. Sitka I, spruce top. I do have a bunch of Sitka. Yeah. Um, and, and a bunch of also Alaskan yellow cedar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, are you going to do a hollow body? Are you going to do an acoustic? What are you going to make? Well,. First, I'm going to make a bunch of ukuleles mm-hmm. and and see how those go. And scale up, <laughs> and then just <laughs> yeah. expand it. It only has four strings. I don't care. And then I'll probably start with something modest, like a triple aught Martin kind of yeah. body style. Will you call them uke Offermans? I don't know what I'll call them. If okay. you ever make a left-handed one, uke Offerman. 
Just let me know. Left yeah, handed. Take that you off your hands. Copy that. Yeah. Just let me know. That's, I sent that's you a good tip. I sent you a video and then I felt bad. Like, oh, people probably send you like shit all the time like this. But I I sent you a video of a guy who made um. I don't remember what he was making. I think it might have just been a chair or a table or something. But he made it, it with all of like he made the antique uh, woodworking equipment and then made a table with that. Like this is what they would have done in the old days. And with the oh, do you remember that guy on PBS that you from? It was in Williamsburg, Virginia, and he would just have that shop and he just used all the period tools and would make. That's cabinets. what this guy did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't guy. think of that guy. I can't remember that guy's show. Name. But um, then there was the new Yankee workshop. Which, sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, that's what the the incredible part of going to the uh, Delta. the uh, the Gamble House uh, in uh, Pasadena is that it's green and green are the ones that uh, built the entire thing, and so it's like it's beautiful, huge house, uh, craftsman. But like, it's nuts to think that was before there was any electronic tools, so everything was sanded down by hand, everything was cut by hand. Yeah, and back then you had to like rely on lightning to generate enough electricity. That's true. To go back in time, because that's the house they use for Doc Brown. Yeah. <laughs> um. The we're, we're actually building a, a small Japanese garden gazebo called an Azumaya um, that's inspired. Ha, ha, we're stealing some details from the Gamble House. Oh, nice! Um, and uh, it's it's one of the, my favorite things about visiting this. It, they were contemporaries of Frank Lloyd Wright at the turn mm-hmm. of the 20th century, the craftsman movement. And um, it, it is incredibly beautiful, the amount of detail and handwork that's apparent, not only in the house, but the furniture. But the furniture and how it corresponds. Each, like, the furniture in a room will correspond to, like, the fixtures in, a ha- in, the, yeah, in the actual room. Everything is of a piece. Yeah. Um, and, the, the, and the docents, if you go tour this place, will tell you that to do it today um, would cost, like, $300 million. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, because they had, like, over 100 guys in the yard working yeah. for, like, 18 months. Yeah, it was, it was a gamble, as in, like, Procter & Gamble. Yeah, it was yeah, a Gamble yeah, family yeah. summer home. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I went to it shortly <laughs> after because uh, the Huntington uh, Library and Gar- uh, Botanical Gardens had a whole green and green exhibit, which was great. And it was, it was hard because it was, like, there would be the chair, and you want to, like, you know, you want to feel the wood and see how smooth they were able to make everything so long ago. But of course, there's someone there. Filthy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Lord. I wonder if uh, you were to just research that on Angie's list, how much you'd get it built for. I don't know. Angie's list. This podcast is brought to you by Angie's it's, list. It's not, but you oh. can say that. Okay, thank you. I always liked it. Like I really liked it, the Hearst Castle and go. How the fuck? I mean, they basically there was nothing here, and they built a railway just to bring stuff here, and then built this insane. Mega mansion, yeah, out of no, of nothing. Yeah, it was it was what someone did before they thought of Las Vegas. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> okay, we have unlimited wealth. This we are Americans. So what should we do? Here's what we do. Yeah, yeah. When I was <laughs> where can castle. I get some zoo animals? When I was a kid, and we would sometimes in the summer we'd go down to Newport, uh, Rhode Island. Just those fucking those houses are yeah. just the most insane, and they were everybody's about- like house they used for four weeks have you ever yeah. thought about tackling a house sure i i uh, would love to build my dream house would be like a huge stone and wood craftsman sort of lodge nice um and uh but the problem is my wife is is a superhero of interior design she's I'm like a Fred Flintstone, and she's—I don't know—someone who's super tasteful. Does she like craftsman? <laughs> does she like craftsman stuff, or is she more not century? Or? Terribly. No, she's very. She really likes modern architectural style. She's yeah. a she's an amazing art collector, and so she kind of has. She's kind of the. Uh, she has the house covered. Yeah. Um, and she can sort of put it all together so much more masterfully and more quickly. Then I can build one table. <laughs> <laughs> that there's there's not even really a conversation. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. But maybe I, I, you know, it's sort of a pipe dream that one day um, I'll build her something in the mountains and take her there, and then I will I will have her. Yes, I, th- <laughs> I think you already Finally. have her. Yeah. Finally, yeah, yeah. she's made some promises, and yeah, so. <laughs> get a hold this is going to be on top of a mountain. Chris. I'm doing yeah. I'm doing it's some training. Different. Every time you kind of roll over to see if it's okay, it's like is, mm. the, is there a house yet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then you just sort of roll back over, defeated. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. It is. <laughs> do you do commissions or do you just make stuff that you want to tackle? No, we do commissions. I mean, I've taken on a few really talented woodworkers uh, who are handling most of the of the actual work. We um, we're doing a dining table and a desk right now, as well as a um, a sort of modern four poster bed. 
all of which are designs that I help with and sign off on, and then they do most of the of the labor. Um, I just made 12 uh, miniature 20-inch canoe paddles, and when I actually get to make something, then I sign it mm-hmm. so that the things that come out of my shop, there's no mistake. If, if, if it gets the shop logo branded on it, that means it's made by us, and if it has my signature, then it was made by me. I really want to commission something. It's like a Murano glass factory. I really want to commission something. I have a room in my house that looks like a log cabin, and it's all the original wood from the structure that was on the property of the house. Oh, nice. From, you know, almost 100 years ago. And it just needs an offerman something in that room. It sounds like you. one of our specialties is a, uh, a stool with a, a cavity in the middle that holds a cauldron. This was a commission. Holds a cauldron beneath the hole, and it's to um, it was for a, a woman uh, who's a doctor of a, a sort of a witch like persuasion. We talked about this, and we then did. she's supposed to squat over the pot. Yeah, and it, you put steaming herbs in the cauldron. Yeah, and it it affects your lady's reproductive organs. Right. Yeah, it's in steaming. a healthful manner. And sperm, you could, you put steaming sperm in that's there, right. and then it gets her pregnant. Exactly. That's that. That was <laughs> that's yeah. old, that's old science. I've got yeah. I showed you the schematics. <laughs> so they didn't think it would kill the sperm. <laughs> no. vapor, vapor pregnancy. Yeah, it's a vapor pregnancy. Yeah, yeah I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm no biologist, but yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be the baby comes out looking like Casper. That's how most. That's how yeah. most ninjas are born. Through Casper vapor. was dead, Richie Rich. Let's be honest. It looks beautiful in a California Claro walnut. <laughs> tongue oil finish well if you guys are ever open to, if you ever open a new commissions I'll commission something maybe not the uh, fertility pot um, but uh, you know but but something something would be really nice yeah we're it's uh, we're having a great time I, I was kind of a one man shop and then I got the job on Parks and Rec and I said well either I lock up my shop and it remains dark until I'm done uh, getting to play the best part ever written for a human um, or I find some friends and we start up a little concern so we have this great little co-op going it's awesome and it's yeah it's, um, it's really cool. each each shop member has one or two items that uh, are very popular at Christmas one guy makes kazoos you know Lee makes the mustache comb and so uh, it sort of allows you know the, the the shop has a life outside of me allowing people to make a a meager, you know, woodworker's living, which I appreciate. I think that's it feels better than just locking it up and right. putting my toys away. Yeah, I guess it's a place for you to go and hang out too with like like-minded guys, and just you know, and ladies. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, my two best woodworkers are are women, which oh, nice. I'm very proud of. Yeah. It's the eye for detail. It's a very yeah. feminine. Deanna, my wife, uh, like worked in the woodshop. Like when we went back to Chicago, she had to like she stopped by and they're like, "Hey, it was a she's way better at that stuff than me." Well, I, I, I think it's good to, because a lot of times, look, uh, performers can be very um, short attention spanny, and they get very excited about things in bursts, and I can totally see, I can totally see myself going, woodworking, man, that's where it's at, and then buying all the equipment and stuff, and then it just, like you said, it just sits. And then making a smaller piece of wood than the one you bought. <laughs> and then every once in a while, kind of going in and just looking at the equipment and going, yeah, Boy, this is, looks awesome. By and then, the time. Yeah, and then another year goes by. It's true. It's. Uh, I mean, that's that's human nature. I, I've certainly gotten excited about hobbies that I, I didn't follow up on. Let's list some of them. Golf? Um, golf, sure. Yeah, golf. Uh, uh, confectionery. Oh, yeah? No. Oh, <laughs> I was really excited about this. Nor golf. Sugar I, situation. Golf, I, I know. Golf confectionery. He I made know. golf cakes. Oh, yep. I, um, Back on board. I lost two or three weeks to two video games in the 90s. One was called Banjo-Kazooie. Of course! Yeah. And one was called Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim! I was staying with a guy, and for, I had never had my own video game system. And, you know, I was, I was a loser staying on his couch, and he was like, hey, I just got these two new games. Let's check it out. <laughs> and literally, <laughs> three weeks later... We opened the, we let the sun in. And we're like, what just fucking, what happened? Yeah. Well, we, well, we won. Yeah. And it was such a crazy lesson. We, we ate three pizzas a day and played these games all the way through until we defeated them, which I don't recall what that means exactly. You lived um, a dream. 
three I, pizzas a day. I did. The, the most my my favorite thing about it was I learned that I never needed to play a video game for the rest of my you life. You got it. Like mm-hmm. you got it in that was couple like, of weeks. Oh yeah. That if if I hadn't go, f- gone through to completion, um, I wouldn't have gotten the lesson. But by <laughs> by winning the game and then feeling the emptiness yep. yeah. immediately thereafter was like, oh, this is nothing. That never changes, <laughs> by the way. No. I mean, you still get the experience of like, oh, this game's really fun. And you know what's so what's so great about video games now is that they're the stories are much more robust I'm than we were. Forty three percent done with Grand Theft Auto Five. That's pretty like, far. That's a I'm pretty like, fucking intense game. Yeah, and I'm like, this is gonna end soon. <laughs> it's I'm not it's, happy about it. It's still not gonna. It's still not gonna end soon. Do you guys ever? Do do you? Do, have you ever thought about like you know making wooden phone cases or like like trying to? Yeah, we you know when when uh, the iPhone case was suddenly a huge product, um, we immediately looked at a few different ways to do it, but the. Our, our thing at Offerman Woodshop is everything is made by hand. Mm-hmm. And um, iPhone cases and iPad covers and all that kind of stuff are all made with computers, with robots, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, something that's that thin and that precision um, to make by hand would be... I would have to charge $25,000. <laughs> Which is not... Yeah. It's not a terrible upmark when you no. think about what you pay for a fucking plastic iPhone case. No, it's true. Man. It's like a nickel worth of plastic for Just don't make it as small. Just have it, the case be huge and you just put the iPhone in the middle of it. Just it's, sink it into a 2 by 4 yeah. it's, it's been pitched, trust yeah. me. <laughs> but, we, but, you know, generally we have to... When we're prototyping items, uh, one of the guys is... We're possibly going to come online with a with a full on uh hobbit oh, tobacco boy. pipe. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the you know the the curved stem Ga- yeah, Gandalf's yeah, pipe. pipe. Yeah, sure. Um but we 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 go through stringent, you know, testing and like can we the the thing the thing is people will say what about your cutting board makes it worth, you know, why should I pay $125 for a goddamn cutting board? And the reason is is because it's made by hand. It's uh, it's very beautiful and of uh, the highest quality. And the person who's making it is m- you're paying someone seventeen dollars an hour to make something rather than paying three Chinese children, you know, a quarter an hour in a in a really flawed system. It's that's that's sort of the answer to the question. Is America is right. the answer to, <laughs> yeah. to any question? Um, on our website is like, well, because we should all be making things for each other in this country and paying a little more for them, and and then we can defeat other nations. Yeah. <laughs> and with cutting boards. That's right. We can defeat them with cutting boards. I, can, I mean, have you seen our some, cutting boards? Of course we won. I can make some dope shit out of cutting boards. <laughs> you could, if the cutting board could disassemble in a certain way, that you could pull a weapon out of it, or you could... Uh, place things inside to hide i mean there's a there's a lot of different things you could do with a cutting board you have, to, you have to stop thinking in terms of of uh inside the box weapons the cutting board is your weapon oh uh, meat meat is the ultimate weapon <laughs> i guess that's true to disarm any peoples if you cook your meat well enough they will lay down their arms yeah right and mm. then you punch them in the in the nuts <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> While they're laying and their steal arms their down. Treasures. That, was, that was in the, that was in the art of war. That was literally in the art of war. That was Lao Tse, right? Yeah. I think as you're yeah, I think he said yeah. as as they're as they are leaning back because they have to put their weapon back to expose their nuts. And then uh and then right yeah. in for the nut punch. And just be real cool. <laughs> Act like you didn't even do it. Wapow! <laughs> and you have to say that noise as you're gonna, you're gonna let that meat rest, bro? <laughs> <laughs> or serve them undercooked meat. I don't now you're really thinking, think there's such a thing. That's I'm, yeah. That that in my in the in the nut punch version, then you have delicious cooked meat to enjoy after you've defeated them. I guess that's celebration true. meat. Do you feel like uh, <laughs> do, do you feel like that in any in some type of an apocalypse that you would be thoroughly prepared for such uh, to to go back to? Definitely not as much as people would think, uh, <laughs> based on the sort of mythology of Ron Swanson, like. Like I definitely uh, want to call up Pratt. Pratt is a hunter, and I'm not. I'm I'm a fisherman. Like I can definitely, uh, I, I can definitely create shelter and fire, and and I'm pretty skilled in in most 
scouting ways. I can... Well, you're already present into this room in the apocalypse. You've just mentioned three things that none of us can do. I can yeah, tie knots. I've heard of those I things. can fish. I can tie knots. But I, but I definitely want, would want, you know, I'm an actor. I live in Los Angeles, uh, and, and there are so many people. When, when people say things to me like, how, how are you uh, so manly? I say, I know many 13-year-old girls in rural areas of the country that are way more manly than me <laughs> because they're required to be. They go out and milk the cows every morning. They drive the tractor. They split the firewood. I am... I'm a sissy. I mean, I'm, yeah. I am. I live in comfort. You know, I live somewhere in- right now. A child is hunting a boar for food. Yeah, yeah. But I still feel like that in our society, the fact that you can do something with your hands to make a thing puts you pretty close to the top of the food chain. Uh, it, certainly in our circles. In our circle, perhaps, but that just says very sad things about our circle. Yeah, um, maybe, or that you could fucking own it. <laughs> so maybe maybe just don't compete with the Midwest and just fucking own the West Coast if shit goes down. King of the dancers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could be The West be... Coast is pretty rustic. A lot of forest. There a lot is of manly, a lot of manly outside of the cities, it's pretty much just rural. You don't have to go that far outside of the cities. You just have yeah. to go into the valley. Yeah, well, <laughs> past the valley, uh, past Studio City. Yeah. You get past Studio City. There's, there's nothing past Studio City. Yeah, there's oh, there's it's Oaks. a barren wasteland. I know it. Then there's Encino, <laughs> and then there's Reseda and Van Nuys, hmm. and then the 118. Ooh, Ronald Reagan Freeway. It's fun. I, I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm enjoying the, my job playing someone who's perceived as you know superhumanly macho, but I'd always. I, my my uncles and aunts will pound me into pulp <laughs> if I don't always say, "Well, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm an artist." <laughs> um, I, 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 yes, I can sharpen my axe and, and split firewood with it, but I choose instead to perform on stage <laughs> and mince about for, for people's entertainment. <laughs> With an axe that you sharpened oh, could perhaps, be part yeah. of it. You could have made some of the furniture on the stage. I would love. Yeah, I mean that's just it. Instead of instead of like leading us to victory in the apocalypse, I would rather perform in a musical about chopping firewood. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, he really kept our morale up during the apocalypse. Chop, he chop, did. Chop, 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 chop. Pa- Paul Bunyan, the musical is, yeah. is that's my bag. That would be a. I will play Babe the Blue Ox. All right. We we'll, we'd love to check out your tape. Oh yeah, I've, I've sent it actually already <laughs> to yeah. people. He actually made a VHS tape. Yeah, he blew himself. <laughs> Rest of development. Megan, Megan always has a very funny <laughs> saying in such instances uh, that came up sincerely when we were doing a play together, and she uh, she had just recorded her first record, and it was a beautiful record with Tom Waits and Randy Newman songs and Bobby Gentry. And I said something. I think I was angling to try and get a copy of it. We had just started becoming uh-huh. friends. I was like, hey, if you have... Um, and this, it's when you still had to have a CD. You could, yeah, sure, uh, sure. It wasn't digital yet. This was 1961. And, um, <laughs> and I said, um, hey, if you have a copy of that, I'd love, you know, I could, I'd love to check it out and, and uh, give you some notes. And she, <laughs> sa- and she said um, completely facetiously, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be fun to get your feedback. <laughs> so, and so that became a saying in our house. <laughs> when when she when one of us w- wants the other one to weigh in on something that we have no business weighing in on, we say, yeah, that it'd be fun to get your feedback. Probably one of the reasons why you have a good marriage is because you, you both recognize like. Maybe I should shut up right now and and not. I, I find that I constantly am getting into trouble by offering an opinion that was never solicited. Never uh, give an opinion. Or never try to solve anything. Well, it's fine to solve things. I I think that's I think that's fine, and I think that's inherently to you. What, I think that's inherently. <laughs> I think that's inherently. No, I gave her the perfect advice. <laughs> she didn't ask for it. <laughs> I gave her the perfect advice. Hey, you dummy, do this. What's wrong? I'm trying to be sensitive. But I think Maybe I, it's that voice you're using when you're giving advice. Yeah, I just think you know. I feel like Don Rickles really speaks to her. Uh, but I, but I feel like um, you know the ability to say, ah, "I'll just you know I will have faith and trust you that you are a, an intelligent human being who knows what you're doing, and I will not try to fix something that was not asked of me." Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's important to know your department. You know, uh, when it when it comes to it, like in our house. Uh, we're both Luddites. We're both terrible um, at 
technology on purpose and we're even now we're formulating a plan to get off of email mm-hmm. we've, <laughs> wow we've been formulating you, you have the same email address. Uh, you share an email address we do and it's on earthlink like <laughs> which, just which like make, my parents which makes people laugh for mm. what reason i don't know <laughs> sorry but we just had uh, Sam Elliott on our show recently, uh-huh. and Sam, I, I had not met him. He's, of course, a great hero to me and, and to many, uh, and, um, and it was incredible. He was so beautiful and such a, a, a hilarious, gentle, giving soul, and um, it was so amazing to have him, somebody, you know, like the, the living embodiment of John Wayne or yeah. a, 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 any any manly hero to me uh is is wrapped all wrapped up in sam elliott and have him in ron's office and like doing some scenes was incredible and he and his wife like he doesn't have an email and of course he's he's a few decades ahead of me in age but th- there was just a sensibility of us saying he se- he still seems to be getting to work <laughs> on yeah. time like yeah. There, he is receiving information from the world without having an email address. We just—it's—it's a, it's a gripe that we have because when we get home from work, and I'll work a twelve-hour day generally at our show, then you get home and you're expected, you're obligated to spend one to two hours answering all these emails, and that's something that's insidiously crept into our lives that makes me really mad because in the fifteen years ago, if you got home. And your answering machine was blinking 85 new messages, hmm. which is kind of our average, 85 sure. to 120 emails a day. You would, you would throw it out the window and say, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, um, but somehow uh, we're, we're expected to keep up with all these things. So we're, we're trying to ease ourselves back out of it. Do you, have, um, do you have quiet times where you just sit in a room and, and read or whittle or do something that's not watching TV or checking anything electronically? We do. I mean, we do sort of announce, like, um, at, at, at night, on school nights, you know, uh, it's sort of an understood thing that we leave our devices out of the room and, and spend our time together either reading or um, 69ing. Yeah. <laughs> While reading. <laughs> Which we so had you still, you, you still got a vision on the book. You can just put it above her head. Yeah. Vice versa. The, and and by devices, I mean, you know, smartphones and iPads and all that. Yeah. Not vibrant. Some devices are welcome. Understood. In the '69. Yeah, it's a lot of. In the nest. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the the aforementioned Offerman Woodshop Kazoo, for example, <laughs> mustache comb. Got to remember to hum, handy. hum, don't blow. <laughs> the thing really, really creates a buzz. <laughs> oh, I'm am sorry that I I'm sorry that I became an audience member and laughed so hard. I really wish the comedy nerd in me wanted to riff off that. That's one of the funniest things that's ever happened on this podcast. <laughs> I just did not. I did not see it coming. <laughs> Why was I not surprised by it? I don't understand. I felt like Megan, I saw... Megan Off also does not see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why are we sixty nineing all of a sudden? Well, to take I'll it easy, honey. Yeah. Stick with me. That's because it's a school night, honey. That's why we're sixty nine. But yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know it's um it, it, I don't know if we're the perfect victims because we're both workaholics, so we don't, we we haven't learned to say no and protect ourselves yeah. from all from just you know like your your friend's cousin is like hey I made a short can I send it to you yeah. and you're like yeah I'm supportive I want to and eventually you get enough of those that you're like oh this how is, many cousins do we have yeah, yeah. yeah. who's this guy yeah. Uh, I can't stop. <laughs> you, you, the hardest you've ever laughed out of all the people we've had on. You, we've had Mel Brooks on. He's laughed the hardest at a 69. Listen, joke. a good joke's a good it's joke. It's a great joke. You hit a vein. I would love to mention that to Mel. <laughs> you hit a vein. And when you're 69ing later, you're going to be like, this totally broke up Hardwick earlier. I wish Hardwick was here right now. Yeah. This would fucking kill I love him. this. I this mean, if I just said it and it was funny. Yeah. You're tearing up. You're yeah. tearing up. I'm fucking crying. I've never seen you laugh that hard. That's something that wasn't just like mean that happened to somebody else. <laughs> <It's> true. 
Uh, you know, Good we point. could I could sit here and dissect the ten reasons why that was so fucking funny, but I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it by overanalyzing it. It was just no, it was a really nice moment. Yeah. Oh god damn it! Speaking uh, of Adam Scott, yes. Um, <laughs> did you know we were, we were talking recently about my my book "Paddle Your Own Canoe" uh, coming out October first from Dutton Books, an imprint of Penguin Random House. Yes, um, which I think you said. Uh, <laughs> The, 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 on the one that we were talking about earlier, that book. Yeah, that, that yeah. book earlier. Yeah. Um, Wait, I'm sorry, one more time. What was the name of it? One Man's Fundamentals for Delicious Living. Mm-hmm. That's right. Paddle Your Own Paddle Canoe. Your own canoe. And what was it on again? Oh, uh, Dutton. Dutton. Dutton, which is like an imprint, a, is that... it's an imprint of uh, Penguin Random That's right. House. That's right. That's <laughs> 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 Smooth. Uh, Adam and I were talking about it because he was, was generous enough to take a look at some of it. And we were, uh, there's some stories in it about how horribly shitty casting in the, in the business can be the worst experience you know when, when people say my, my young person wants to get into acting what's your advice i say fucking punch them in the balls yeah. and steal, <laughs> After steal their meat, meat. Yeah. that's right yeah. but i i say it's it's the worst tell don't tell them don't do it it's like to choose uh the the masochism of of the of going to auditions is really stupid um mm. and you but sometimes you can't help it you have to do it anyway and so here we are so adam and i were kind of uh reminiscing I, i've known him megan and i met him probably uh, 13 or 14 years ago in the theater world adam's sort of been around since his late teens i think in, yeah. in la um and i was so we were just comparing horror stories uh talking about dicks there's a when, when you get into the pattern where you're like testing for TV shows every year, oh yeah, there's always a few, usually a few friends. Like that's where I actually met and became friends with Rain Wilson. Was auditioning for TV people, shows, and together. you really get excited when you see them. Like, oh, it's nice. Yeah. Oh, I feel comfortable now because I really like this guy. There's that, and you and you also um, like if I saw Rain, I knew oh this is probably a good show, right? Uh, because Rain doesn't suffer foolish material mm-hmm. gladly. But then, and then there's, there's also <laughs> hilarious bad guys. And for a while, there was this one guy who was like a B movie action kind of star guy. And for some reason, he had worked into the audition pool for like straight talking, serious NYPD blue kind of procedural fireman cop shows. And usually, you you don't get meatheads at those auditions. You get you get bookish uh, like football players, yeah. but you get people who you have to be pretty well spoken because you get these you get these uh, paragraphs of, of like forensic information, and so you usually don't get meatheads. But this one meathead had made his way through the filters. I'd never got I don't remember his name, but he he would always have like greased arms, yeah. and, you'd, <laughs> and you'd walk into a waiting room, and he'd it, it was as though you were there. To literally fist fight him, <laughs> so he'd just fucking stare daggers oh, at you, Jesus. and you'd be, you know, and you, you're you're an actor, so you're like, hey guys, <laughs> hey every, hey uh, Jeff, uh, hey everybody, um, so good luck, <laughs> <laughs> cop stuff, right? Um, and then this guy would get up and go out. Um, there's this one waiting room at the NBC lot. You could see out into the parking lot through through the window. And he would go out to where all the guys could see him and do, like, karate katas (laughs) as though he was having some private time Mm -hmm. and, you know, just like like crush air. (laughs) And then every once in a while glance in at you. And Uh, and then you have to pretend like you weren't watching him. Um, So we were talking about situations like that. And he amazingly revealed that he had tested for the lead on Six Feet Under. For Michael C. Hall's part. Oh wow! Which was so. I've I've never, I've never like gone up for a part that I didn't get that then went on to become something as insanely amazing as that. Um, but I thought that that spoke uh, a lot towards Adam's sort of s- superpowers to be a, an incredibly charismatic leading man. That he's there's probably three more of those that he's not telling me about. Adam uh, Scott yeah. all, could have been Dexter then. He could have. Wow. By rights, he could have been. Yeah. That could have been his path. He, uh, I'm, I'm a very big fan of his. He's, uh, he's really, really good and underplayed at what he does. But uh, he's also just so goddamn funny. Yeah. Yeah, he is, and I, and, and I, the, one of the things that I was talking to him about was that, um, as a really funny guy, as a performer, 
<clears throat> you usually sense, you know, and I know I'm, I'm sure I know I have this too. Is I mean, I'm saying I have the bad part of it, which is like you can usually sense in a comic or an actor, like you just feel like you can feel the molecules of desperation a little bit. You can feel a little bit of like, I hope, please like me, or, you know, I need attention or whatever. Sure. And Adam, you just don't, eh, he just, like, he seems fine with, like, yeah, if you notice him or you don't, mm. he doesn't give a shit. Like, it's it's a good, it's a very good lesson to learn. Like, oh, yeah, he could just be comfortable and you don't have to be, you know. Well, he's just kind of, he was like a journeyman. He's been acting professionally for, like, A very years. long time, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, at, at the point where people started noticing him, I don't think he had that. That need to doesn't always fix a, everyone. Just because you've been doing it for a long time, there are still some people where you just feel like you walk. They walk into a room and you're like, yeah, they need something. True, and yeah. I don't know what it is or if I can give it to them, and it's awkward. Well, it, 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 yeah. Uh, apropos of what you're saying, Adam d- was uh, pretty crazy about my book, Paddle Your Own Canoe. Um, was that? It, when is what, this available? One Man's Guide to Oh, it's coming out October first. Uh, oh wow, that's great. Delicious living. What? It, what like a, if I was searching by publisher? <clears throat> yeah. Like how would I find it? Um, I think it's coming from Dutton Books. Oh, that's it's a that's Penguin an, Random yeah. House. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's an imprint they're, they're of Penguin Random House. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, Adam has a lot of complimentary things to say about it. Are you doing signings? Like, you running around doing that? I, You know, we're in the middle of shooting parks. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I am doing... It'd like, be funny if you set one up at Hit Parks <laughs> for the cast. I am actually doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing... Uh, I'm doing... Well, it's not official, I'm, but... Um, it, I, I, I wanted to give the book to you know it's it's a very loving family over there, so I wanted to give the book to uh, of course the cast and then yeah. and then the like well okay the, the producers and the right and then you can and then I can never I'm like well yeah I gotta give it to the props people and so eventually I was like oh I'm gonna give the book to the show yeah and then but then I thought that's one weird thing it's my first book and it feels really strangely narcissistic. Because I don't, when I make a film, then I don't go around handing it to people <laughs> yeah. like, and signing it. <clears throat> Here's my film. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> Please enjoy. I'm in I get about 27 minutes of it. I'm in uh, some pretty. <laughs> Thanks some, for the props. Some pretty Here's good laughs. For you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the best is happening between 16 and 19. Yeah, uh, watch that. Enjoy it. So the it's weird to to give someone your book. So then I decided what I'm going to do is make the book available at my show. It's going to be announced that if you go to like the the closet on the third floor there will be a quantity of my book that you can get and i'm going to sign them all yeah then if people want to i can like sign it around the the job or something but it's it's just it's a it's a weird i was kind of hoping you would set up next to craft services with the stack of the I'm, books i may and, just, and, and just... some and and like jim o'hare is probably gonna have to pay to, for a signed copy <laughs> don't tell Everybody else, but you're gonna have to sneak it in. They're gonna order a burger, and it's just gonna be between two buns. And they're like, "Oh, what is this book? Enjoy it's a, enjoy the sandwich." Flee. <laughs> Are you gonna? Is there any part of you that <clears throat> will you feel weird? Will you be checking the closet to see how many copies are gone? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, it's uh, it. You know, I. It's a nice thing about being an acquired taste. Like, uh, I'm not in the business of trying to. Uh, I often say this about Parks and Rec, but like I'm not in the McDonald's business. I'm not trying to sell quarter pounders. I'm much more trying to make a kick-ass Reuben sandwich. And most people, a, aren't going to stick around and wait for the sandwich. And b, it's a it's a much more acquired taste. Is it incredibly more delicious? Sure, <laughs> but you're going to serve it to a lot fewer people, and so. But those people will really appreciate it, hopefully, yeah. and not just uh, mindlessly shove it into their. Exactly. It, I think it comes from. I think it comes from uh, my my, uh, beginnings in small Chicago theater. You you learn that it's not the amount of people you're performing for. It's the quality of experience that the audience that has shown up receives from you. Um, And so, you know, I'm I'm confident that, you know, some people that work at my show will like my book. And, you know, if if they don't, they'll be like, oh, wow, okay, I was wrong about that. I'll just go make some more shit out of wood. <laughs> how technically, the, the book is made out of wood. It is. It is. Yeah. It's very soft wood. Uh, how was the uh, – I was in Boston two, three weeks ago, and I saw that you were at the Wilbur with Megan. What did you guys do? Oh, we're there in a couple of days. Yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, it's, a good, it's a great theater. What did you guys do? Friday, it's there. the greatest. Um, we, we did a whole Northeastern tour, actually. We played Newport um, – we played uh, Boston, 
three shows in Boston. Yeah. We do a show. I do this show called American Ham. That's uh, I'm like a I'm like a humorist, a foul-mouthed, less educated Garrison Keeler. Of course. <laughs> um, I do some songs uh, and tell some stories. It's my ten tips for prosperity. It actually inspired the book. Yeah. Um, I, I tried to turn in the show to become the book, and the show written out is like twelve pages long. <laughs> <laughs> You've done that at Largo, right? I have. Yeah. yeah. So Megan has this incredible band, Nancy and Beth, and they're kind of new and they're and they're drumming up an audience. And so we've begun combining our our, our my, sticking my my chocolate into her peanut butter, as it were. And so her band, Nancy and Beth, opened for for me. Uh, and then sometimes they get a headline show, and then I yeah. o- open for them, or we um, then we always end up doing songs together. Uh, they are one of the most entertaining things I've ever seen. They, she and um, our friend Stephanie Hunt, who was on Friday Night Lights, um, these two beautiful, gorgeously voiced women are doing like if the Andrews sisters ate peyote and, <laughs> and, and then like shot some videos, they, they sing in close harmony like yeah. that. So it's very toe tamping and, but, but it's, it's entertaining in an old fashioned way that just nobody does anymore. They dance and they sing and their band is amazing. Um, so we did that yeah. at, at the Wilbur and all over the Northeast. Uh, the Wilbur's the best. It's such a great space. Yeah, I love that theater. Because it's, uh, it's, Big enough to be a theater and gorgeous inside, but it still feels intimate somehow. Yeah. But it holds like eleven hundred people. Yeah, it's Is that it, how many? Yeah, oh, yeah but the thousand eleven hundred. It's such a fucking great space. It's such a great space. <sighs> I like to get a like to get a quantity of legal seafood chowder. Yes, and I recommend this both for the delicious flavor and the name of the item, the hot lump crab dip. He's uh, right. That's it's where is that? Where is that? Legal. It's legal. Yeah, you can't beat it. Yeah. Is, are we going to go there this weekend? No, we are going to go to the James Hook, which is the best lobster roll in the country. All right. Well, well I'll have to make a, a return trip. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's right. It's close to Faneuil Hall. Like if you kept walking towards the water and the bridges there, and it's like one of the things that's like right on the pier, James like water. Like, so when people come <clears throat> see your shows. Do they come expecting Ron and... What's funny, I start the show by saying, hello, thank you. I start the show with my shirt off because I I advertise minor nudity um, (laughs) to get the asses in the seats. I know what I'm doing. I'm a a showman. Are you worried pedophiles will show up? Fill it up. That's the Chicago spirit right there. But that's a funny joke that I like. Thank you. Um, <laughs> See, that's how... You know there's laughter. You can use how, laughter to tell that too. That's how Nick reacts to a joke he likes. Chris just goes out of commission for four minutes. I really did. That's a funny... Uh, I like that funny humor. Thank you. <laughs> there's a sound. Just, it'll come up. Um, so I come out with my shirt off. Then I, put, I had this shirt made uh, by a couple of the ladies at Parks and Rec. It's an, basically, if I said to you, picture what Clint Eastwood's, what, what like Bronco Billy's rodeo shirt would be if it was an American flag in 1972. <laughs> uh, it's beat up cotton. And you would think you could find it online. You can't. All the American flag rodeo shirts yeah. suck. Um, so I had this one made. So I put that on. And then I say to the audience, good evening. Uh, thank you so much for coming out. And they're always in insanely enthusiastic so much so that sometimes i call mike sure or amy poehler or like aubrey or pratt so they can share but never aziz never aziz <laughs> he gets on he gets his yeah, plenty. He gets his yeah. He's, busy. he's on the road he's himself. Busy with Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um but and also never jim O'Hare, of course um <laughs> but uh i i i the adulation i say thank you so much this is so generous you must really love that TV show because you've come here tonight to see me do you have no fucking idea what. <laughs> literally I have no idea what I'm going to do and sometimes I'll start doing Christmas carols on my guitar where I'm like we're going to we're going to spend some time uh, in the glory of the Lord <laughs> if you'll join me in song and, and you know eventually uh, I break into the to, to the show to the the good stuff um, but that's the amazing thing is like People have no idea because I have no precedent. Right. I don't perform as myself. I'm a theater actor, 
So it's a new thing for me to be a humorist. Which is, yeah, which is why I walked by and I was like, oh, that's interesting. What is he doing there? I'm looking forward to... It's fun, yeah. It's, um... I, it's been it's been something that I haven't had quite enough time to do. Yeah. Um, and so it's been a lot of fun, but I look forward to doing it again when other things slow down. Would you be happy just doing that if just you and Megan touring and then we definitely yeah we um, she started touring with Nancy and Beth and suddenly we were spending three and four day weekends apart on mm. on sing, single individual tours and we said we need to combine our powers um, so. We, we want to do a tour that's like basically a, a, a profane modern day Donnie and Marie, uh, Stephen Eady kind of thing. Where, <laughs> Stephen Eady. Where it's just the two of us, um, and maybe, you know, with some musicians or whatnot, but I think that would be really dreamy. The, the nice thing is, which is a great luxury, um, is that it's not all we can do so it's something maybe for a summer we'll do a three or four month tour and then go back to film work or theater work or what have you that's great but it's it seems like a really fun way to spend a few months in an rv any of those shows coming up anytime soon or you're done for a while i i have a handful coming up um i'm playing uh the university of maryland in baltimore um the same weekend as tig's benson ball oh nice in dc so um hopefully somebody will come to my show <laughs> uh in st louis i'm doing washington university uh, i'm playing the chicago theater next thursday as part of my book tour that's a nice one week it is it's enormous <laughs> that's a big theater and daunting yeah um but i am i do have some special uh some special uh, there's a i go to the the Berghoff restaurant and i get a bratwurst um I, I create a gaseous sort of. <laughs> it, I cast a spell over the downtown loop area, and so I, I'm pretty confident that I will draw people in, like like the Pied Piper of the Olfactory. <laughs> you're, you're just like a natural witch stool. Like what is? Yeah. What is that? So that's uh, is there is, is there a Nick Offerman dot com? Is that where people can get information? No, the man doesn't want to have an email address. But that doesn't anymore. mean that Why someone would be... wouldn't build him a website to advertise his stuff. There's stuff if you go to OffermanWoodshop dot com on the home page. I believe there's like a calendar. Okay. with what I'm up to. Great, and then um, the book. Boy, I feel like it's called. Paddle your own P- canoe. Some, yeah, some kids are saying PYOC. Yeah, PYOC. Uh, yeah. But paddle your own canoe. One man's fundamentals for delicious living. I like going to a BYOC party where you have to bring your own. They don't supply the canoes. You have to bring your own canoe to the party. Yeah, it's just a fun time down a river. That's a dope party. <laughs> Dutton, an imprint, an imprint of Penguin, Penguin Random, Random House, Random House, which is new. It used to. It used to be just be Random when House I signed my Penguin. deal. It was just Penguin, but. uh Random House, I, th- I believe, was like, what's up with this Nick Offerman book? Can can we become uh, partners with you, Penguin? Can we get a piece? <laughs> That's how I see so that. Your so book, your book drew in Random House to create the mega publisher. I imagine. I mean, yeah. it, it ha- the timing it probably, it was such. You weren't on in every meeting, but it does sort of make sense. If yeah. you're, it's Here's what reason. I'm guessing. They made a deal with Someone me. Someone in an office said, I don't care what it takes, just get me Offerman. Yep. yep. Well, we've merged with Penguin. I hope you're happy. Penguin and Random House sat by a fire in 69 each other. That's right. And that's how it happened. School nights. With devices. Uh, all right. Enjoy your burrito, everyone. Nick, amazing. True. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.